Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where today we're going to talk about some burning dwarves. Some real hot, spicy dwarves. Damn, you put that, take that dwarf, put it in your oven, boom, cooks up some nice boiling hot of water pot, put some noodles up in that, stir them up real good, put on, put it on a plate, throw on some spaghetti sauce, <laughs> put on some garlic powder, tie, take two cloves, take two tablespoons of garlic, chop it no, up. No, don't give cloves, them the secret recipe. Don't give them the secret recipe. Hey, oh, stop. All right. And today we're going to be talking about Azers today, <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Azers, them big, big metal dwarf boys what have fire on them. Yes, yes, dwarves but fire. Truth be told, we're going to see very soon that Azers... Uh, so, so basically, without getting too much into the main meat of this episode, we'll find that Azers and dwarves are more or less equivalent to one another, and uh, Azers consequently suffer a lot from a kind of a lack of distinction. But we'll get into why that is in just a minute. Travis, now that we've yeah. done our hilarious spaghetti bit, are there any other <laughs> things we can fill our intro time in with? Uh, well, before you had burst into the spaghetti bit, I had a secondary bit I was going to do where you could crack an egg on this man's chest and cook it for breakfast, but then you covered the cooking bits, so now I'm hesitant to say anything. No, it's fine. We'll just do all of the cooking bits right now. Ready? Oh, okay. Go. Uh, his shield looks like a hot pot. Um... His, his beard reminds me of cotton candy. <laughs> it's hot, hot and candy, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, put on a shirt. You're an old man. Uh, what other bits we got? I don't know. I think that's about it. I think that's all okay. I've got. I think okay. we've reached all of the possible jokes that can be made. <laughs> this is the pinnacle of podcasting right here. Yeah. Go look no further. We've got you covered. We hit our peak at Azer. Mm-hmm. Occam's Azer. Is that anything? Yes. Okay. It's the, the shortest dwarf is the best dwarf. <laughs> so let's get started. Travis, they're just dwarves, but fire. Why? Why? How could they do this? How could the fine people at Wizards of the Coast create something so banal and derivative? Well, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, are you going to explain it to me? You asked me a question, but I guess you know what? No, no, mind. no. By all means, give me the answer. <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't worry. All right, fine. Uh, so after some research, I found that the sort of ontology of the Azer is split between the fourth and fifth edition. So. Typically, we don't go into the history of monsters, of D&D monsters, in our show right now. But I was so curious as to why this is and why there was so little explanation that I did a little bit of digging. And so what happened is, in the 4th edition monster manual, Azers and Dwarves are supposed to be descendants from the same common proto-dwarf, which was, at the time, enslaved by giants and titans. And then while some of these proto-dwarves escaped enslavement and become, became regular dwarves, what with the axes and the mines and the whatnot, another set of these proto-dwarves remained enslaved and were brought over to the elemental plane of fire where they were formed into Azers. So that's 4th edition. Mm -hmm. In 5th edition, they got nothing. They, the history of the Azers in the 5th edition monster manual, it only lists them as being native to the elemental plane of fire, and it doesn't at all comment on the fact that Azers and dwarves are very similar, which is weird because, <laughs> like... Without that, it's just, hey, I made dwarves. 
Can I, sir, may I copy your homework? Sure, but change it so it doesn't look different, so it doesn't look the same. <laughs> I think the explanation I was going to give is like a weird bastardization of the two. is kind of smushed together. I was going to say it's like, if you think about the planes as like alternate realities of the same place. Yes. Where one, one is Earth, and one is all Fireland. Yeah, and these guys just evolved, the, but they evolved yeah, in Fireland. They evolved, they're like dwarves, but what were born in Fireland. That's kind of fun. That's kind of like a cutesy way to... I would think that would that would be kind of a decent campaign, uh, exploring elemental planes, but they're all just Earth, but different shades of Earth. Yeah, they're like the alternate existences, alternate realities and universes of the same place. That would be kind of fun. I think that's a good way to explore many worlds theory, but with the uh, elements, the elemental planes, which I don't typically find interesting. Well, there's already a little bit of, well, we're going to get off track here if we do this, but there's okay. already a little There's already a little bit of that uh, in how the Feywild and Shadowfell are explained, but never how they're represented. <laughs> Yeah. They I, Feywild, they, 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 those two, they're supposed to be mirror planes of the material r- world. Yes. But never is it that way. No, Every it's always time, just low rule and high rule. Yeah, a whole bunch of trees and a lot of fairies having sex in lakes. And yeah. then the other places, there's just mountains and darkness. Yeah. But really, what it's supposed to be, I think, is more of a, this world looks almost exactly the same as our world. But for some reason in this world, it's always dusk. Yeah. I think they do a little bit of that in uh, one of the Never Winter Nights 2 expansions, Mask of the Betrayer. There's a bit where you go into the Shadowfell and it's like kind of the dark version of the town that you're in. Hmm. Well, that's good. At least somebody kept up with that. <laughs> yeah, our boys over at Obsidian, they know, their, they know their shit. In the fifth edition, these guys are essentially fire elementals created ostensibly to be mirrors of the dwarves. So they look like dwarves, they have literal bronze skin, skin made of bronze, and fiery hair uh, that just explodes out their face. They don't reproduce by biological means. Azers are made by other Azers, molded from bronze and then imbued with the fire of the creating Azer. So these are like constructs building constructs. Huh. Yes. Each of them, they're each uniquely made, and the time-consuming process of creating the Azer has resulted in them having a fairly small population, so Azers are supposed to be fairly rare. Uh, But yes, they are kind of a bizarre crossbreed of construct and elemental. Yeah, and looking in the book now, it literally says, In appearance and manner, an Azer resembles a male dwarf, but this is a facade. Yeah, it's very strange. The fourth (laughs) edition provides an explanation, and then fifth edition just ignores it. They're just like, yeah, they're the same for no reason. Yeah, the fifth edition is like, yeah, the guy who created the first Azer was like, what if dwarves but fire? And they were like, yeah, why don't we keep doing that? It's <laughs> it's very strange. I have no idea why they made a stupider decision <laughs> in the next edition. I don't know. I can't. It's It doesn't even feel like it was just to save on time because I feel like the explanation that I just gave did, wouldn't take too much page space. Yeah. And there's like a whole page of stuff about these guys. You could have put one more paragraph. Yeah, or even just, like, a <laughs> sentence. Replace the shitty paragraph with the good one. That makes sense. Yeah, of course. I don't know. Our, our, we should get our boys at Obsidian to beat up our our wimps, our, <laughs> our fucking our virgin sneeds over at uh, Wizard of the Coast. We're our coming Chad for Obsidians. you. We're coming for you, Jeremy Crawford and Mike Merles. Get it. Get ready, boy. I've got you in the cage for three rounds. <laughs> anyway, 
Yeah. So Azers, they live on the elemental plane of fire. They live on the sort of border border between the plane of earth and the plane of fire, which is supposed to be this ever-present range of volcanoes. And the Azer are constantly locked in this struggle. We'll find that to be true with pretty much all of the planar dwellers. They have they're always in war with the next plane over. The Azer have to defend their tiny little volcano kingdom from the salamander lackeys of the Afrit, because Ooh. the Afrit, which are squarely in the plane of fire, they're another kind of elemental. They had the Afrit had an alliance with the Azer once upon a time. The Azers they helped create the city of Brass, which is the home city of the Afrit. However, because the Afrit are evil creatures, they pulled an attempt to enslave the Azer after they finished the construction in order to protect the secrets of the city is the bullshit scapegoat claim they gave us. <laughs> uh-huh. They're not bad guys. They're just protecting the secrets of the city. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a state of elemental plane emergency. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Here we go. No. <laughs> so the... The Afridi have a reputation for being evil enslavers, so in retrospect, it seems like it was a bad decision to work for them at all. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's like a precedent. It's like, well, are we working for these bad people for money? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, these guys are just dwarves with a little bit of fire on them. So they have that weird dwarf trait where dwarves will do pretty much anything you want for a decent gem. <laughs> I'll kill my mom for gold, all right? Look. <laughs> Listen, I'll eat a whole <laughs> whale for an emerald. <laughs> oh, no. New question. Do an Azer eat? <laughs> I'll punch a frog for a quartz. <laughs> I'd punch a frog for a quartz. What? Uh, and to answer your question, no, they don't eat. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, man. Uh, so, yes. So these guys, again, just dwarves, but with some fire. Consequently, they are, like dwarves, master craftsmen, uh, which harkens all the way back to Norse mythology, right? With the dwarves what making the hammers and the things that we lo- know and love from Marvel. Oh, yeah. They are known for creating wondrous works of metal and jewelry. Consequently, they were finely suited to create the decadent city of brass for the Afrites. As is now cliched for that kind of creature, the dwarves, their society and culture is founded on this high value that they put on rare metals and gems. So, again, the Afridi probably bribed the hell out of the Azer to get them to work on their city. Still does not seem like a sensible explanation, but whatever. We've we've already proven that we've evolved past the need for sensible explanations for the Azer. Being semi-constructs, they do not need food, water, or sleep. Ah. Yes. So, to answer it. your question, no, they don't need to eat. But There's they no Azer lasagna. They'll, they'll eat that lasagna if you give them a nice bit of amethyst. Ooh, like lasagna, but the meatballs. Yeah. Spaghetti and meatballs, but the meatballs are gems. You cannot imagine the hell that gluten poops put on an Azer <laughs> with no digestive tract, but they will do it for that emerald. Make no mistake. Anything for the emeralds. Yeah. So, yes. So, I... I, uh, I kind of like to think of these guys as being initially created to fill the role of craftsmen for the denizens of the Plane of Fire. So, like, we don't have... Now that the 4th edition took away the, the proto-dwarf explanation, I like mm-hmm. to think that these guys were made to specifically just be dwarves of fire by some, you know, possibly... Uh, I don't know, by some sort of elemental force of the Plane of Fire. So some guy went out of his way to be like, we need craftsmen, let's just make dwarves. 
right? Some planes hopper of some sort. Who crafted the first Azer? That's a good question. Uh, that could be an entire uh, one of the, I think, three stories you could tell with the Azer in your <laughs> campaign. So, yeah, get on it, you, DM. Do you, friend Travis, have any thoughts on the artistic design of these boys? As we said, they're basically just big, angry... Well, I guess not big. They're just regular... I guess they are big, angry dwarves, because aren't dwarves technically small, and these guys are just medium-sized? Yeah, these are... Uh, <laughs> aesthetically, they're literally just the dwarf versions of fire giants. Yes. Except they're made of metal, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's not too terribly much to say about them. Artistically, I would love to see what they look like when the fire's out. Yeah. I would love to see an Azer before, like, the elemental fire was put in it, like, what the frame of an Azer looks like. Yeah. Because I imagine that, like, in a circle, in, a, like, a lion's mane pattern around the outside of the head are little exhaust slits. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, once upon a time, I was, when I was a little chap, I was reading through the monster book, like, the like concept art book of the fellowship of the ring movie oh yeah and they had a little model of a balrog without its fire and since then i've always been interested as to what fire creatures look like without the fire <laughs> i did have a fun thought just now about these guys thinking about them having exhaust slits like that mm. if you if you put like a big helmet over the top do you think the beard would get bigger <laughs> like it would just kind of <laughs> I yeah, it's, it, it can't flow up, so instead it just shoots more fire out of the bottom of the face. Yeah, well, so then, it, <laughs> then he might burn his cute little scale tabard that he has. Yeah, but like if and then we'll see his. If peem. you're in the plane of fire, if you're in the plane of fire, your clothes have to be fire resistant, right? I guess so. I suppose that's true. Yeah, you can see the uh, weird kind of construct nature of these things. They don't have toes, right? Or are they wearing armor? I can't fully tell. It's all bronze. Yeah, it's hard to say because their armor is the same color as their skin. Mm. But it does certainly look like the foot is poking out the front as though they're wearing like a gladiator boot. Yeah. I'm inclined to say that they don't have uh, fingers or toes and that the fingers are part of the gloves that they're wearing. Mm. Do you think they just have perpetually teensy little Greek statue wangs? <laughs> yes, I do now. Them. I do now think that. Dude, it was just like a task of artistry, but they couldn't put leaves in front of them because they would burn up. Before, I was like, clearly they're Ken dolls, but now for sure I think that is the truth. Yeah, in that, kind of in respect to the dwarves. That, or in horrific fashion, that is what the tabard in the front is covering. What? <laughs> a very long Azer dong, Oh, that's why they're the length that they are? Yeah, that's why the tabard is so long. Maybe that's what the, the, exa the exhaust is. <laughs> like, there's just smoking them out. Anyway. <laughs> so, mechanically, there is not too much to say about these guys. They are the sturdy sort. They are made of metal. They have a big-ass AC of 17 for their teensy little CR of 2. They have oh. average hit points. Their move speed is average. Their stats aren't really anything to write home about. They get a solid plus 4 to their constitution saves which kind of reinforces that sturdy construct nature that they have. Furthering this sturdiness theming, they are immune to fire and they are immune to poison damage, and they can't be conditionally poisoned either, so like constructs, they you can't poison them. They have a regular passive perception. They can only speak Ignin, which is the language of the plane. Yeah. Uh, so some of their mechanical features and bits that they have uh, since they are essentially just made of fire and constantly 
their entire metal body is being heated from the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the heated body trait. Yes. Which means that a creature that touches them or hits them with a melee attack within five feet of them takes five fire damage. Yes. Yes. So there's a little bit of extra damage there. They also have the heated weapon trait being made of fire, where when they use a metal weapon, it does a little bit more fire damage, the steel being heated by the flame, right? Yeah. And they're just glowing for forever in a 10-foot yes. radius because they're on fire. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So these are some nice little traits that express the theming of the creature. The damage, looking it up, combined with their Warhammer, it lands right about in the middle of their 15 to 20 damage range, which is appropriate for their CR. So, again, it's another example of, like with the acid for the Onkeg, it's a nice little example of the theming of the creature influencing the needed stats for the creature's mechanics, right? Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that, um, I guess I haven't super looked at the other ones to see if this is true, but I'm kind of surprised that there is a an elemental being whose body is literally ejecting fire that doesn't have a fire projectile attack. Yeah. Well, I um I think, you know, if these guys... So these guys are supposed to be, what, okay, uh, lawful neutral? Yeah. I think this is another monster like the Eric Cochran, and this is getting into kind of ending thoughts a bit. Uh, I guess there's not much more to say about them in terms of mechanics. They have the illumination, which, you know, light out 10 feet and then dim light out another 10 feet, which is fine. I don't imagine, I guess, if you needed a human torch. Uh, in <laughs> terms of... Doing them up in an encounter or in a campaign, I think these guys, they are not, uh, I think they're just meant to be like Eric Cochran's in that they are meant to be ways to introduce elemental planes early on in your campaign. Yeah. I don't really think these are terribly interesting mechanically or narratively. We'll see a lot of creatures later on that also have heated body and fire weapon. It's not like these guys are unique in any particular way. They have the nice little angle of being, uh like semi-constructs so they the nice little angle of being resistant to poison damage but i don't know when the last time i did poison damage to a monster was <laughs> yeah it's well because fucking everything is resistant to poison damage yeah so again i don't think these guys are terribly interesting they're they're for sure like discount fire door or fire giants yeah. it's like i want fire giants in my campaign right now but my party will die if even one shows up yeah. Like, yeah. So what do I do? I get a dwarf fire giant. Yeah. So they are both discount giants and discount dwarves. <laughs> uh, and again, all of that lore is just echoes of the dwarf, which would make sense if the Azer was still a kind of dwarf, but now they're not. And dwarves aren't very interesting in this day and age, in this post-Tolkien world. They live in the mountains. Yeah. And they forge things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, it's whatever, uh, snooze, I'm going back yeah, to really. bed, wake me when there's gargoyles. I'm gonna go to the sky and see a sky giant city, bye. Like. Yeah, even compared <laughs> to the Eric Cochran's, which can, you know, create air elementals, that's a neat little trick that sets up a decent encounter. And then uh, again, the I think the most interesting part of their lore, which this kind of semi-rivalry with the Afridi, or like this sort of Cold War, pun intended, with the Afridi, isn't very neat either, because the conflict isn't very pressing. They're just kind of waiting each other out, right? So if it was like, yeah. if the Afridi were close to finding the secret home of the Azer and were pressed to, or poised to take over their hometown of some kind, that would be at least a rivalry with stakes. 
but the way that it is now, they're stuck in a stalemate with each other, and I can't think of, unless you create an adventure where you, through the actions of the party, give one side an advantage, I can't yeah. imagine telling a decent Afridi Azer story either. I was going to say, the Afridi have no way of even killing Azer, uh, being immune to fire. <laughs> like Yeah. Also that. <laughs> the Afridi's, like, main thing is fire. Yeah. Like, I'll... I'll, I'll Arguably their only thing, and... <laughs> I, I don't remember what the stats of a free tea are like. They're, like, super strong, but, like, all of their things are fire-based. Yeah. <laughs> every... I th- I'm pretty sure every single thing they do is fire-based. Maybe that's so the why Acer, they're in a standstill. Maybe <laughs> yeah, that's the actual reason. The Acer could literally, like, walk into the city and be like, Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> ah, they know the Ma- secrets of our town, so we can't kill them. <laughs> More like City of Ass! <laughs> Hey. <laughs> but okay, okay. They're not interesting right now, but what if Yes. The thing that we're seeing right now, the Azer. Yes. What if yes. the Azer was a mech suit? Okay. For uh, a fire elemental living inside of it. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I saw a um a kind of creature like that in a homebrew thing once upon a time. And I think if nothing else, that would be a fun little battle, uh, where you know you're fighting the the armor and then the elemental bursts out and you get like hints of the elemental trying to break free the entire time yeah you're like you crack open its chest and you see fire trying to escape yeah yeah and and then again for another point i don't think these things are meant to be fought you're right they they do fall under the um uh live and let live kind of yeah. enemy design where as long as you are not strictly attempting to start conflict there probably will not be any yeah yeah, again, I think these guys are meant to introduce you to the Plane of Fire. I think the best story for them is uh like a, a like an advent like an Avengers Mjolnir kind of thing where you need to go get you need to go find the dwarves to make you the cool sword to go beat the bad guy. Right. I was going to say I ever since I said that some minutes ago, now I actually am invested in who created the first Azir and like what else can we get them to make? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, a master craftsman tinker thing might also be a nice way to handle these guys. Um, you could also ostensibly, I guess, you know, let's let's go through every story that can be told. You could also do, <laughs> like, a, a, a short circuit kind of style thing where, you know, why was I made? What am I? Kind of thing where the <laughs> Azer is your friendly robot friend. I would love that. Yeah. And I mean, you say it sarcastically, the let's go through every story. We've done that for almost every monster we've covered so far. No, I don't think like, so. I don't think it's been so hard before. I think this is the first monster we've covered oh, where it's yeah, like, for sure. this what is the like, fuck do this we do is, with this? This is the fastest we've ever gotten to that point, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we have. I mean, yeah, we spitball and workshop every now and again. But I think this is the first time for this show that I've been just flat out stumped as to how I would make an interesting encounter involving these creatures or uh, a decent, like, hook or plot of some kind involving Azer. There are very few things that you can do because this edition doesn't leave much room to work uh, for these creatures. Uh, It gives you the setting, and it gives you their backstory, which is not much, and it gives you what they can do, and it's not much. So (laughs) they really just constrict you into, oh, yep, this is check mark on the list of things we have to put in our monster manual yeah. uh but if you i guess if you take it and make it your own azer don't have to be fire dwarves 
Say you have Azer in all the elemental planes. They are the craftsmen for every plane. I mean, why not, right? Like, if, especially, and I'm interested in this idea, so I'd like to lean into it at some point, but if you're exploring the elemental planes or just many worlds theory kind of thing, yeah. uh, why not have water Azer or why not have air Azer or all of the element Azer? Why not just have this be the dwarf of the, as expressed within an elemental plane? Yeah, that's kind of what I would do, I think. Just, there, I do that with some other things where I'll be like, oh, this, but it's another element. But I think these, being as open-ended as they are, you could 100% be, Azer are the craftsmen of all the elemental planes. Yeah, yeah, I think that could be very easily done. It would take a little bit more doing, because Azer have the, like, the fire traits, and I think if you were to create a riff on an Azer, you might as well put in some amount of like oh these are the air guys so they can fly or whatever yeah they can fly and maybe they like cloud giants have a few lightning abilities or something or thunder like whatever yeah plane dwarves um, yeah it would be a little weird in the fu- in the water plane of water <laughs> big metal well i guess they'd be like nautilins they'd be like yeah they'd be like scoot- big daddies it would be kind of yeah, big daddies at the bottom of the ocean never mind i take my point back that yeah. would be awesome no there's definitely a way to do all of this uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, I I wish I had more to say about these guys. So, I don't know. Maybe we can, like, officially end the episode here. So, yeah, like... we can. But just to ease your mind, Orion, we yes. have given this 25 more minutes of thought than even Wizards of the Coast did. <laughs> so <laughs> Got him. So, I think that we did good. I think so, too. I don't know. Do you want to, like, bullshit for 10 more minutes? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Let's bullshit. Uh, let's talk about how Undertale ends. Oh, no, not again. Hold no, on. I'm just kidding. We <laughs> just literally, like, you know, right before we were recording, we were talking about how uh, we were talking about endings in video games. Yeah. Let's let's not do that. Yeah, we just spent an hour talking about it. I don't think my heart can take anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to me about the fire plane. Let's talk, let's talk some fire plane stuff. Oh, boy. Plane of fire. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much the only thing I know about is the City of Brass. I know that there are uh, a few other key locations. Like, there is a there's an area of the Plane of Fire that is very strictly run by uh, evil fire elementals. Yes. Yes. And that's why I, in terms of what I know about the planes, I like the Fire Plane most. Because the Fire Plane is the... And this is mostly my fault for not looking harder but the yeah. fire plane is the only plane that has been described to me as having rules and, you know, uh, a system of government uh, and a way that the people operate. Yeah, because the city of Brass is like fucking, it's the trade hub between multiple uh, planes. Yes, it's like Sigil. Uh, yeah, it's like city of Brass. It's like anybody even remotely related to fire goes there. Demons, devils. There are Genasi, the fire people. There are fire elementals. There are the Ifriti who run the joint. Yeah. And they they all just kind of come there, and there is a, a pact where none of them will kill each other as long as they are within these trade walls. Yeah. The, the outside of the city is guarded by giants and actual, like, jinns. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, the city of Brass seems kind of cool. It has it. The Ifrits have some of the best names. Yes, Marake Al Sedan Al Harik Ben Lazan, for instance. Yeah, yeah. 
Did you know the Azer had a king? Azers have kings? Uh-huh. There's a king of the Azer, apparently. Tell me. Is His this name from 4th is... edition, or is this, like, contemporary knowledge? This is Forgotten Realms lore. Okay. This might be... So this may be outdated, but fuck it. I yeah. mean, if they're not gonna give us anything, we might as well dig a little bit. Oh, don't worry. Amemon is his name, and his lore is short. Oh, good. As short as the stature for which the creature he's based on I, is. I kind of love, like, how short it is, because it really, like, digs in how little they care about these creatures in the in the creation of this game. Amemon was legendary for his physical and mental prowess. He was larger, stronger, and wiser than any Azer. And that's it. Oh. He was the biggest and the strongest and the smartest. So they were like, that one's the king. But shouldn't he have the most gems? Shouldn't that be <laughs> the reason why you get kingdom? If you've he already had got no it? specific palace. I'd, I'd like uh, to see a, uh, like a war of succession where Azer just make the gaudiest crowns and whoever has the gemmiest, gaudiest crown becomes king. I take it back. They do have slightly more lore. They have another couple sentences, but I actually do like this one. All right, tell me. The Azer and Amon the King, Amemon, the King of the Azer, had no specific palace, but they traveled with his whole court from tower to tower. The Azer were marvelous metalworkers and built grand towers scattered about the plain as they traveled. Like hermit crabs. Like yeah, except building giant court holding castles. Yeah, like if hermit towers. crabs could build their own <laughs> metallic shells. They held feasts and. I don't know what this word is, but I almost said feces because that's what it looked. Okay. Feats, which is just celebrations. Oh, good. I, uh, I love with, me a party and dwarf. With dancing. Oh, good. Apparently these guys can dance. God forbid they not dance. <laughs> yeah. All Azer who do not dance are banished from the land. Yeah, so if there's one more thing we learned from delving into uh, this little bit of planar lore, it's that Azer while dumb and useless, can dance and build towers really fast. Yes, yes. They like gems, they like towers, they love dancing, and they are ambivalent toward the Afridi. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to know about the Plane of Fire? Uh, so, it's just like a desert, right? That's kind of up for debate. I've heard it said that the Plane of Fire can be... Uh, desert, burnt, like, <laughs> it's either a desert or burnt glass, like. Oh, so like a super desert. Yeah, the way I've always imagined it is that the, it's so hot that anything that would be sand has yeah, been has burned into glass. glass. Yeah. Uh, or I've also heard like obsidian, Ooh, which would be neat. Yeah, like all of the plane of earth slash plane of fire volcanoes are spitting them sweet obsids into the, onto the regular plane of fire. Yeah. The, the worst possible scenario, the ground is also fire. <laughs> yeah, that seems like death. <laughs> yeah, worst possible scenario. I guess if I were to have a party travel into the plane of fire, I would mm -hmm. probably force them to Zelda-style create some sort of means of traverse. It feels like it shouldn't be accessible for the average Joe, right? Like in terms of oh, yeah. being able to survive in it. Oh yeah, for sure. It's definitely like if you get plane shifted to the plane of fire, goodbye. Yeah, I would definitely, <laughs> I would rule that some red tunics need to be slipped on some elf boys.
Thank you so much for listening to us talk briefly about the Azer and then talk about <laughs> some Elemental Planes of Fire stuff. I really wish this was a better monster. Believe me, uh, nobody <laughs> wishes that this was a better monster more than me. Azers are my favorite monster, and I wish they didn't get shafted, so truly this if you're is... you're keeping the... track with our show... Yeah. This is turning into Tooth and Nail Raz's Wizards of the Coast Yeah, for all of the monsters they create and put a little bit of thought into. Yeah, well, like, sure, fine. There are a bajillion monsters, I get it. Not all of them can be... What's our gold standard monster? Uh, Illithids? Illithids? Are Illithids our gold standard monster? Illithids are pretty uh, good. Illithids are good single monster. If you really want to say dragons are the most fleshed out, but Dungeons and Dragons didn't create dragons. Yeah. I was trying to think of like a monster that works well without being bloated with lore. So like Onkegs uh, are a pretty good monster. Yeah, Onkegs are pretty good. Yeah, so it's they're they can't all be Onkegs, but uh they they're not the worst. Yeah. They they could have literally said dwarves but fire and then left it and we would have been like yeah, oh. we could say no more we'll fill in the blanks <laughs> so yeah so thank you so much for listening to our episode of Tooth and Nail if you like the stuff that we've been talking about I heartily recommend you go out and check nerdsmith.com which has lots more shows of various kinds they've got all kinds of streams and D and D stuff there's a the the like as I understand it the sort of flagship. D&D actual play show called Shenanigans, or is it Countless Heroes? I forget which is the one that... Countless is... Heroes is the one running right now that has, uh, I believe, up to 16 players? Yeah, yeah, that is that strikes me as, like, horrifying. I would not it's... want to be Logan in that scenario. Yeah, Logan is Logan is the master of keeping track of way too much stuff, I guess. I would, <laughs> I would be driven to insanity. Thankfully, I'm pretty sure it's more along the lines of eight at a time. Never is there 16 at once. Yeah. Um, J- just go still. watch it for the spectacle, right? <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, the spectacle and the fun personalities of all the characters, it's wild. Yeah. So have a good time doing that. And then, you know, maybe when you're done with that, we'll have another episode of Tooth and Nail come out, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or we'll just stop it, because we hit the peak with Azers. Yeah. <laughs> why else why, What else could we say, right? We've said it all with these fire dwarves. I think we're done with the letter A, actually. I Yeah, that's true. Join us next time for some sweet, sexy banshees, uh, which I find at least, you know, thematically a little bit more interesting than Azer, even if it's just undead 7B, right? At the very least, we have other media we can consult about banshees. That's true. We could talk about, well, fuck, guys. Never mind. We could talk about the X-Men. <laughs> we'll talk about it when we get there, don't. Yeah. So join us next time where we talk about X-Men. Until then, what is the creature comfort? Make sure if you're going into the death desert to bring your red tunic and always make sure to not just make another monster but set it on fire. And also, everybody, stay hydrated out there. Yeah. You have to stay hydrated. Have some water. Listen. This is the hottest part of the year, it being February at the time of recording. <laughs> uh, stay safe out there. Uh, wear uh, clothes. What? Breathe. Make, but... make sure the clothes they have lungs. Uh, <laughs> make sure you feel its expanding lung sacs on your spine uh. as you wear them. Ugh. <sighs> oh God, I'm getting like the ah. He- oh, stop it! I'm getting the heebies. <laughs> Love you much. Bye. Bye.